0: Hello, I'm Kieran Valley,
1: And I'm Kate Valley,
0: And this is Friday Night at Blockbuster, the podcast where we look at our favorite movies from the 2000s. Except today is end of the year, best of 2023.
1: Our last one of the year.
0: Our last one of the year. Uh, Eventually we're doing a movie swap with our favorite movies of the year. But before we get there, obviously a few things we need to talk about or a few things we need to cross off the lists. And so the first thing I would like to know, Kate, we don't really talk about TV all that much.
1: And it's my favorite thing. And it's
0: your favorite thing. Less so mine, but it's your favorite thing. So I'm just curious, like, what was your favorite TV show of the year? What was the best thing you watched in 2023?
1: Do you want to take a guess what the answer is going to be before I say?
0: No. What? It's the Crown. Oh my God. I didn't the even Crown. know The Crown came out, to be <laughs> completely honest with you.
1: The Crown came out, came out with their final season, I think... Maybe a little bit shorter and had changed a little bit since the queen died. Um, but yeah, I know that was my favorite, favorite show. So I'm already waiting to go back and rewatch from the beginning. <laughs> it's a
0: bit of a spoiler on her part, eh? Like... And she ruined the end of the show. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Like,
1: <laughs> I thought they just did... Their last scene was... Um, I'm blanking on who plays Queen Elizabeth in the this section or the season. Is it
0: a Staunton yes. or something? Yeah. Thank
1: you. Um, and she's there saying goodbye to somebody else. I think her mom or somebody. And she just kind of looks and she gets to see past versions of herself. So they bring back Olivia Colman. They bring back Claire Foy. And then there was a teenage version of her in this season. And they are all just kind of standing there looking at her, kind of giving her final salute, final send off. And I was just like, oh, it's just, oh, it's so good. <laughs> what was your favorite show?
0: Yeah, well, it was not The Crown. I didn't think so. Mine, kind of with a bullet, was The Bear. Uh, the Bear is kind also of... Also very good. Yeah, The yeah. Bear is kind of really shot up to maybe be like one of my favorite shows ever. Okay. Uh, you know, we're only two seasons in, so we'll kind of see <laughs> how this all shakes out. But I thought like in a year where Succession finished and Barry finished, and like both finished really, really well, the only show I've kind of wanted to go back and re-watch is The Bear. Okay. Um. So yeah, the bear would easily sort of with a bullet is my is my favorite TV show of the year.
1: I kind of thought you might say the Survivor.
0: Well, yeah, like Survivor is just like a different beast because it is non-scripted. It's okay. a reality TV show. It was a good year for Survivor. It was a good season, and the winner was a good winner. Um. Especially compared to the previous season. But, <laughs> uh. Yeah. No. No. It's it's the bear. It's okay. the bear. is number one. And then speaking of you know, favorite scenes, you just brought up one from The Crown that you really enjoyed the way they wrapped it all up. What about scenes from a movie? What are your some of your favorite scenes from a movie?
1: So looking back at my list of things I'd watched this year, I kind of a lot of the movies I was like, Oh, man, that was kind of a bit of a dud. Like I don't really remember a whole lot about it. But the two that stood out, and so it's a tie is the bomb scene from Oppenheimer. What? the
0: trinity test
1: the trinity test yeah, yeah. Okay. um so the that's on my
0: list as well yeah yeah
1: just when they cut the noise like they cut the noise they cut the sound they cut everything and it's just silence and then all of a sudden that boom yeah i kind of rewatched that clip just before we recorded and i was like oh yeah no it still got me kind of i jumped a little bit and then i think i mentioned it before the america for monologue from barbie like still, I can hear it in my head still. So
0: okay, so those I, are my two ties. Yeah. that's my tie. I have the Trinity Test on on my favorite of the year list. Like, I I've seen Oppenheimer twice. I read the book. Uh, I finished finally finished that as well. And yeah, both times I saw it, I like, I was so hyped to get to the Trinity Test. And then the way that it's filmed, the way that it makes you wait for the sound to come back in, I was like, holy fuck like this yeah, is so just, good it's so good so so good from barbie i have i'm just ken
1: <laughs> i knew I, you would <laughs> i
0: think there there is i i should probably go back and rewatch barbie there was so much i did like about it and there was so much i enjoyed about it but i think the um i'm just ken sort of scene and then sort of like dream ballet like when him and yeah simu lee go off and do their dancing that is kind of the like That's the flavor and that's the vibe from Barbie that I wanted the whole time. Okay. And I think for like, for the most part, that's what it sort of gives you. There is the part in the middle with like Will Ferrell, where I was like, this sucks. Um, But like when, when that started immediately, like before he'd even gotten into like the first line of the song, I was already like smiling like a loser because I was just like, oh, here we go. Like, I was (laughs) like, I don't know what the next five minutes are going to be.
1: But you know, it's going to be good. I
0: know they're going to be special. So that was definitely in there. Um, And then you haven't seen the new Mission Impossible yet, have you? No. No, I haven't. Okay. There there is a very extended sort of car chase scene through Rome. Okay. That is incredible. (laughs) First of all, it looks unreal. The stunt work is incredible. You know, Tom Cruise and Haley Atwell are looking great on screen it's really funny it's really funny and that was kind of like that comes maybe an hour into the movie and i was sort of like okay like here we go okay it was kind of it wasn't really like the first big stunt of the movie or the first big action set piece of the movie but it was the first one where i was like oh okay okay they've still got it they're like you know we're still cooking they kind of
1: like ramped up to it a little bit a little bit a little bit and
0: then obviously the second half of the movie sort of goes off from there and we get two or three more really great action set pieces. But the the one through Rome, I was just like, that is pretty <laughs> fucking great. I rewatched it last week. And I like, again, when that scene came on, I was like sitting forward a little bit, sitting up a little bit. And you're like, yeah, this is this paying is, attention is, more. <laughs> this is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I want. So beyond the scenes, let's just talk about our favorite movies now for a minute here. So I asked you to make a top five. Could you, like, could you have made more? Like, how many How many movies did you end up seeing this year?
1: So, I saw 33 from this year.
0: 2023 movies. Yeah, 2023
1: okay. movies. I saw 33. So, like, not...
0: That's pretty good.
1: Not too bad. That's,
0: like, just under one a week.
1: Yeah. Not that, I
0: think, t- is a perfectly respectable yeah, number. Yeah,
1: that's not too bad. Yeah. But, like I said, I looking back at my list, I either have kind of four, four and a half, five, or I have, like, twos. So, like, I didn't mm, okay, do a whole okay. lot... That were kind of maybe okay. It was either good or bad. Okay. (laughs) So.
0: See, I think this year is actually a really good year for movies. It's probably been the best year for movies in the last four or five. Now, obviously, the pandemic doesn't help with that so much. But, yeah, I have, like, right now I've got 15 movies at four stars or higher. Which, like, is not usually the case for me at all.
1: A lot of my high ones were like more documentaries.
0: I enjoyed okay. a lot
1: of the documentaries that came out this year, maybe just cuz I got to watch them and the past couple of years I haven't really, but yeah, movie-wise it was either really good or duds for me. So
0: <laughs> Well, let's let's get into the top 5. So just Give me your your five. I'll give you my five, and we'll go back Should and forth. Back, a bit. back
1: and forth. Okay. So my number five is the David Holmes documentary. The documentary. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you talked about that. The other I've week. talked about it, yeah. about
1: it the other week. I've told people to go watch it. Um, I just, I think they did such a good job at explaining stunt work and explaining how the movies were made. But then the guy is just so incredible. So yeah, he's number five.
0: <laughs> my number five is David Fincher's The Killer. Okay. Who would have thought that in 2023, David Fincher would have made the funniest movie of the year? I wouldn't have. But he did it. Um, I just, like, I remember for the first opening, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, that that sort of first scene in Paris. I was sort of like, okay, like, what's the vibe here? Like, what's going on? And all this sort of stuff. And then when that scene kind of ends and the way it plays out. I was immediately like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and then we were off. And, yeah. and you know, I just absolutely loved the next hour and a half or whatever long it was. So, yeah, I haven't rewatched it. I, I have been meaning to, and I probably will by the end of the year. But, yeah, number five is The Killer.
1: Okay. My number four, which, like, is maybe a bit of a toss-up between four and three for me, is Oppenheimer and Barbie.
0: So that's your four and your three? Yeah, my three and okay. four. Like,
1: they kind of, They bounce between each other, depending on the day, depending on what scene I've seen recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. I think we've both talked about both movies enough. Yeah, (laughs) Um, My number four is Killers of the Flower Moon.
1: Okay. Still haven't seen it yet.
0: Just like a beautiful, beautiful movie. Okay. And like, I don't think it will be. I think he has one more in him, at least. He's already talked about, you know, ideas for, for the next movie down the road. But if this does turn out to be Martin Scorsese's last movie. This is a hell of a movie to go out
1: on. He went out with a bang. Just, went uh, out, yeah. yeah.
0: Like a hell of a movie to go out on. So yeah. Again. Haven't had the chance to rewatch it. Definitely. Definitely. Will be rewatching this. Um, but yeah. Just a, a beautiful. Beautiful movie.
1: Okay. Your number three then. Because mine was kind of the tie. Yeah, so. so
0: my number three is Past Lives. Okay. And this is one. Uh, I sort of talked about it a little bit. A couple weeks ago. When we were kind of giving out recommendations. And whatnot. This has quite literally been, you know, number two or number three on my list since I think March. Like, Yeah, you saw it early in the year. I saw this really early in the year and then it's just kind of like nothing I've watched really has been able to push it down the list at all. You know what I mean? And again, you know, much like Killers of the Fire Moon, just a really, really beautiful and like just a well-crafted movie with like three really compelling characters and It does that whole love triangle thing a little bit, but it does it in a way where, like, there's no competition. So, like, the two men aren't really competing with each other. She... The movie does end when she has to sort of make a choice, but you don't ever... There's no uh, animosity between the two men. There's no conflict between the two men. Like, they both totally understand that, like, this situation sucks and you know it's a shame that we're all here but like we are all here and you know someone's like it's a conflict
1: for her it's a conflict for For her her. okay
0: um but yeah like it's not like either of the men in the situation are sort of being like you know that guy sucks and you should be with me like that never ever comes up and so i just i was sitting there watching this being like oh this is like so maturely handled yeah because this is a shitty situation that they've kind of found themselves in. And, like, there is no sort of right or wrong way to deal with the choices that they all have to make. But, like, we're all adults here. And, you know, we'll, we'll just deal with it. We'll figure yeah. it all out. So, yeah. Past Lives, number three. Like, just a really, really good movie. So, what about your number two?
1: So, my number two is The Promised Land. Okay. I okay. I really enjoyed it.
0: So this is a foreign language. This was a
1: foreign language. So like big year for Kate, but it's number two. I almost had it picked as my favorite movie of the year. Um, But obviously my number one is my favorite. So, but no, I think it just did. I loved that it was foreign language. I loved that I could totally follow the story and never kind of got lost with all of it. But then there was like the little bit of history. There was a little bit of a love story. There was a little bit of drama and mystery. Like it was just kind of... A nice little everything movie for me. So,
0: I I also have it on my list. It's number 13 for me. But okay. Like, it's it was really good. It was good. It was a really good <laughs> TIFF pick. Uh, my number two is the movie that we're going to eventually talk about here in a minute. So, you know, that's how to blow up a pipeline. We'll get there yeah. in, in a second. Your number one is Flora and Son, which we're about to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> my number one is Oppenheimer, which okay. we've talked about to death we don't really need to say too much more all really really good before we get into the two movies that we are here to talk about are there any like was there any movie that you just did not get a chance to go see that you were really looking forward to seeing
1: um killers of the flower moon is still on my list the thing with it is because it's three hours yeah. like i just i need to pick the right night yeah to kind of sit down and watch it um three and a half three and a half hours (laughs) there we go
0: so three three hours is actually a lot easier than (laughs) three and a half sometimes so
1: so like the it's just the length of it which is the stumbling block for right now and then the other one that's been playing in my mind is the past lives yeah i want to kind of maybe try and find it
0: i think you would in the next little bit i think you'd really dig past lives i think it's gonna sort of speak to a lot of your interests in terms of movies and whatnot yeah what about you uh, Poor Things is the big one. Okay. I just had, like, it hasn't come out yet. So yeah. I haven't had a chance to see it. Um, I'm a big Yorgos Lanthimos fan. I've essentially loved all the movies that he's made already. So, like, I kind of have a feeling going in that, like, yeah, I'm going to love this. Like, I don't, know, there's no evidence to say that I wouldn't. Um, but that's a, that's a big one that I just, it hasn't come out in theaters where, where we live. So I haven't been able to watch it yet.
1: But so once you get the news that it's out, you're going.
0: Oh, yeah. Like that's that's an opening <laughs> night, first time thing. There's obviously, there's like smaller things like, you know, the Iron Claw is one that I'm really looking forward to seeing. We're not going to get to see that until after we record. So, you know, like. It's the,
1: it's the Christmas movie this year. It's the
0: Christmas movie this year <laughs> that we're going to on Christmas Day. But yeah, like the, there are just a few movies where they could get into the top five. I'm not saying that they wouldn't. They would probably all rank quite highly in my list and you know might reshuffle things around but i just haven't had a chance to see them yet so they're sort of have to stay off the list yeah but the two movies we're here to talk about so i'll let you go first because floor and sun is your like top choice of the year it was your number one pick of the year and so this was a tiff watch for you um, so is Promised Land actually. That's a good tiff. Yeah, not that's too a bad. pretty good tiff for for your first real time
1: I what I said uh, three movies two of them my top, top two top and two then of the, year? the other one is
0: yeah Wait, wait at
1: the bottom of the list. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: that's tiff. That's how this thing goes um, So like I guess like the first real question because you kind of brought it up last week when you were talking about Flor and sign is Did this hold up is this still your favorite movie of the year? Was it as good watching it at home by yourself as it was watching it in the theater with, you know, 200 people who were absolutely loving it?
1: It was. it It's still great. It For me, the first time leaving it, I was like, that feels like a feel-good movie. Like, I think that's going to be on my list. If I've had a bad day or something's not gone right, maybe I'll put this on and just sit and enjoy it. And sure enough, I did. Like, I put it on. Uh, we... I had said to Mum and Chris, I was like, these are the two movies I'm watching this week. Let me know if you guys are interested. Mum kind of said, I'll check out Flora and Son again. Like, if I'm around, I'll watch it. And Chris ended up joining about an hour into the movie. And the three of us just had a good time watching it. All of the songs, remembered all of the songs, started singing them, humming along to them. And for me, sometimes that's a true sign of like a movie. I was going to say musical, but it's not a musical a movie that has music in it yeah, and that like is featured maybe around music. If I can remember the songs, that tells me yeah. something like it kind of sticks into my brain. Remembered all the songs, loved the relationships even maybe a little bit more now because I could kind of sit with them from before and reflecting back to like the relationship of this mom and the son who clearly just like don't like each other at the start. But they're mother and son. So, like, they do love each other deep down. And then her relationship that she ends up getting with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like, I just love how it's just, yeah, I just love it still. So.
0: <laughs> so watching it again this time. Yeah, what do you think? It Like, it's still, it's everything you just said it was. Like, yeah. it is, it has that sort of light touch. It's funny enough where you're sort of like, okay, like. You know I'm having a good time while I'm watching this like it's all working yeah Um, I think we sort of talked a little bit about it during the TIFF episode but like John Carney who's the director of this like this is his thing he makes movies yeah. about people discovering music and then like learning to express themselves through music and like the whole creativity of music and like he's just better at that than everybody else. So like, he's not the only person who makes these types of movies. He just makes them better than everybody else. And so I have no problem with the fact that like he's made five movies, I think in his career, and four of them
1: are this premise are, are about
0: this idea. Like I have no problems with that. If he wants to do this for the rest of his life, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, I did think watching it at home sort of by myself and not sort of, surrounded by people who were yeah. laughing it up and, and enjoying themselves as much as they were during the tiff screening i did wonder if like some of the language that was used would be like too harsh for your like average movie watcher like <laughs> yeah, somebody just a little bit maybe yeah like somebody just <laughs> sitting at home looking for something on a friday night All of a sudden, they turn this on, and within the opening fifteen minutes, both the mother and the son are calling each other the c word, and you're just like, "Holy (laughs) shit!" Like, (laughs) but but I think at the same time, because we are Irish, not that we've had those conversations. Yes, no, we have not done that to each other. (laughs) But I think there is a little bit about the way that we talk to each other. Where we sort of realize that, like, yes, they, like, that scene, they are in the middle of a fight. They are angry at each other. But there is, like, also a little bit of, like, term of endearment in there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when, (laughs) when I swear at you or mum, like, there is still love there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, it's kind of hard to explain. And, like, if people in the street heard some of the things we would, like, shout at each other in the house, they'd be like, holy shit. But... It is love. It it is love.
1: I think it's, I think maybe you've said it, it's like the tone. Because it's never truly anger and like a mean tone. It is kind of that like, stop talking. I think she calls him little prick all the time. Like, it's the way she says it. It's kind of like, I want to say something else, but I'm going to tone it down and just call you a little prick.
0: Yeah, that's that's the tone down version. That's the still, (laughs) I, I still love you version is prick yeah Yeah.
1: right like so but continue
0: it's hard to explain it's hard to explain (laughs) this is us trying to give you an insight into the psyche of the irish family mind (laughs) but
1: the irish linguistic heritage as our mum says
0: exactly exactly um i think like obviously any conversation about the movie has to be centered on eve hewson as flora i think she's like she's a genuine star
1: Oh, she's fabulous. Just love her, because I think for me she does such a good job at being both kind of mad and crazy and yelling at her kid, but then she can flip it when she's with Joseph Gordon-Levitt to kind of being like a bit flirty and trying to like figure out what his deal is. But then when she's with her friend, she's falling apart. Like she just does all of the areas so well.
0: Well, she she's like the, the definition of a hot mess. Like, yeah. At certain points in her day, and her life, whatever, like, she definitely has things together. But then, like, one little thing can come in and just totally derail (laughs) her whole being for the next little while, you know what I mean, sort of thing. And I think, like, she's very, very good at that whole, like you were saying there, like, switching gears from being really upset and disappointed in her son, really angry at her ex Husband, partner, whatever. Whatever he was, yeah. Yeah. Like, super flirty then with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like, she's really good at, like, all that can happen within five minutes of, of a scene or whatever. And she just handles all that with, like, real ease in terms of, like, this is not the most likable character in the world. But she's really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting.
1: And, like, you just, you get the feel, like, I'm thinking back to, like, the courtroom scene she does want to do well by herself. Oh, yeah.
0: Like... Oh, for sure.
1: He maybe makes it hard on her. She, having had him at a young age, is just hard and stuff. But, like, she doesn't want to truly give up on him. Even if she says, well, I'd like to come home one day and he's not there. And for me to be like, I wonder where he went. <laughs> like, I think if that did happen, she would be heartbroken. So...
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I think it, it is that thing of... She's just like a mother at, like, the end of a rope at times. And so you do, you do understand, you do get it when she has those conversations of like, you know, I'd really be interested if I came home and he wasn't around, like that wouldn't maybe be a bad thing. Yeah. But then when he does genuinely get in trouble, she is there to help out. So like, you know, you can kind of forgive her for some of the things she says or does when she's in the heat of a moment or whatever, because when it matters, she's around. Yeah. Which, you know, the flip side is the husband or the father who's. Not around. Now. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I think watching it again, there was definitely shades of the character that she plays in Bad Sisters TV show. I think that character was supposed to be maybe a little bit more immature and maybe a little bit more. Maybe, maybe that's even wrong. Maybe like I think the character in Bad Sisters, because she's the youngest in the family, the family always felt like they needed to sort of rally around her and look out for her. When in actuality, she was doing okay. Like she was starting a new business that seemed to be working. She, you know, had a relationship that was, you know, iffy, but <laughs> seemed like healthy and whatnot. Yeah. You know, she had friends, she had social circles that she ran in, she cared for people. But because I think she was the baby of the family, there was always that sort of like, well, you know, I'm the big sister, I need to look out for her.
1: That's what I was kind of going to say. I think it's more because she's the youngest yeah. of five. Yeah. Yeah. And like,
0: I think in this, in this movie, the, the Flora character, there's like shades of that, but they're different enough where you're sort of like, oh, like these two characters on paper probably look quite similar. Like they're a little bit flaky. They're a little bit all over the place. They're a little bit like you were saying, like sort of mad and wild and crazy. Yeah. (laughs) But actually the way that she plays them is very different. And so, like, that, I think, is, like, the sign of somebody, like, she gets it. She understands that she's not just going to be doing the same thing over and over and over again. She is going to reinvent or reimagine similar characters so that the experience will be different each time.
1: Yeah, I kind of... Do you know what her next project is?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I would love
1: for it to be something very different.
0: Yeah. And, like, she has done that to an extent, like... The the big thing that always like put her on the map for me was she was in the Steven Soderbergh TV show, The Nick, which is like a period piece drama about a hospital in New York, the Knickerbocker Hospital, which is like, you know, turn of the century. And so it's like a period piece and, you know, she's playing a nurse and I was just kind of blown away by her. Like, I just think she has like a genuine presence when she is on the screen. You do sort of get drawn to her a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, like, so I would just love to see the next thing, like I said, be a little bit different. Maybe not be kind of the hot mess yeah. character, yeah. just to see, can she do something different now or is this what she's going to be? But she's fabulous and fantastic at doing at, this. At this,
0: exactly. So. Exactly. With all John Carney movies, you got to talk about the music. Yep. Yep. You've already said that like the songs actually did stay in your head and you could remember them from the first time that you watched the movie. Like, are they all good?
1: I don't know if they're good. Um, they're catchy. And for me, I like catchy songs. I think the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character wouldn't like that answer because I think he's much more, his character is supposed to be much more of a connoisseur of music being yeah. that he is a musician and an artist. But for me, I like catchy songs. So if I can remember it and I can sing along, the last song in the movie, I was sitting there singing the song and remembered all of the lines to it. So I'm happy with a catchy song.
0: I think there there's like obviously a difference. I think the songs that she does with Joseph Gordon Levitt are supposed to be a little bit better. Yeah. Than the songs that like the son makes. Yes. By himself in his bedroom, I think that that's obviously you know. They're not saying that this music isn't good. They're just saying, you know, he's a 15 year old boy working off a laptop. Like his music is going to be limited yeah. versus the Joseph Gordon Levitt character, who we're supposed to assume has had this long career. Yeah, as 20, a musician. 20 years or yeah. something, I think he yeah. said. So I think there there is supposed to be a little bit of a difference. Uh, the last song that they perform at the end of the movie, you can kind of only compare that song to other songs in John Carney movies. And so I think. I think it's probably as good or better than anything in Begin Again, uh, even though like there's some pretty good stuff in there. I would have it below Sing Street, and I would have it very below Once. Okay. Like the the music on Once is like I need, wonderful.
1: I need to go back and watch Once again.
0: I should probably rewatch it again, but yeah. like the thing with Once is that they are two legitimate musicians who totally understand their craft and yeah. he put them together to make so like it's a little unfair um but yeah like i think it's it's pretty good like the last song is pretty good um and there's a real chance that this could be the only non-barbie song competing for really? an oscar yeah okay barbie's kind of filled, taking over yeah it's kind of filled <laughs> up that category like i think the the short list of 10 nominees came out and there's like four barbie songs oh, on the on that 10 list <laughs> and so this could be in there it could be in there it's the only non-barbie song
1: but if they put all the barbie songs maybe that'll split the barbie vote and this could win
0: it could i don't know <laughs> if it's going to <laughs> i think barbie in this category is a bit of a runaway train yeah um but it would be it would be quite fun and nice or whatever to see maybe eve Houston performs it you know, oh, that would with, be awesome. With Joseph Gordon Levitt and Jack Raynor on the Oscar stage. Like that would be, that quite would be so fun, fun. <laughs> to, to watch. You know, we I normally that's like the bathroom break time is when the live music shows up at the Oscars. But if that was to happen, I might sort of stick around.
1: You'll go for a bathroom break during the other songs? Well, maybe?
0: yeah, maybe during the fourth Barbie song, I might, <laughs> you
1: know. No, I just love the last song because the son gets to be there with his what is it, a synthesizer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, for me, it's just such a blend of their two stories and their two paths that they've taken with music during this movie that they've come together and kind of have blended it together. When the ex husband dad starts to try and do, yeah, uh, what's he playing? A bass, he's
0: playing a bass, he tries to go into a solo, solo
1: and she's just there being like, no,
0: no, no." like, Like, (laughs) fucking no, like, no fucking chance. Like, I, I think, like there's enough funny bits where you're sort of like oh that is good that's good so like uh, she may she may have like flora may have polished up a little bit but she still is she's still there yeah Yeah. she's still that character from the opening couple minutes speaking of the son it's Florin's son yeah should probably mention him i think he's pretty bad
1: (laughs) well like he does spend most of his movie hiding in a coat with that, headphones yeah, and a hat. Is, that is true. So.
0: That is true. I'm not necessarily here to criticize child performances. And it is unfair to him that he's he spends every single scene either with Eve Hewson, who is, like, an up-and-coming, very good actor. Or Jack Rayner, who is a very good, up-and-coming young yeah. actor. You know what I mean? So, like, both of them are professionals. And he's this, like, 16-year-old boy. Like, yeah. I just find that, like, he can't hang. In the way that they, like, their scenes together are awesome. And her scenes with Joseph Gordon-Levitt are awesome. Her scenes with him are sort of like, mm. <laughs> Like, <laughs> can we inject some life into this kid just a little <laughs> bit? Like, does he realize we're making a movie here? Yeah.
1: But, like, I can see it. Like you've said, though, on the flip side of that is, like, who he's with in every scene. Yeah. Like, is hard. Would be hard to kind of be at their level or like in a way compete with them um but I think for me it just kind of plays into him being an awkward teenage kid sure trying to figure out what he wants to do clearly he has this passion for music and like that's what he wants to pursue he just doesn't know how to do it yet um I think for him he thinks he needs to have the girls in skimpy clothes yeah dancing on a car (laughs) and it's like you don't need to, so <laughs> you do what you need to do to get your music out in the world and other things may follow later. So
0: So that's four and son. Yeah. Number one on your list. Number fourteen on mine. So in the <laughs> in the top twenty though, in the top twenty. And like But
1: did it get a four? Because yes, I think it did. you said Yeah, it did. You had fifteen and Yeah. So not too bad.
0: Yeah, four to four. Like it's one of those movies that it's probably not it's probably not a four to five movie in terms of like how it's pieced together, but genuinely watching it twice, I was sort of like, I don't really have any real flaws with this movie. Like it does make you feel good.
1: did it change? Did your ranking change at all from first to second watch or like your score?
0: No, it it stayed stayed where it was. It stayed where it was. Yeah. It stayed where it was. So yeah, four and so I think that's a, it's a pretty good, I would say it's a strong recommendation from both of us.
1: Oh, for for sure.
0: For anyone who hasn't seen it. Should we get to How to Blow Up a Pipeline?
1: Okay. With reluctancy from me.
0: (laughs) Well, so last week when I asked you about recommendations going forward and recommendations that I could give you and what kind of genres you like. Yeah. One of the ones that you said was a heist movie. Yeah. And I have watched How to Blow Up a Pipeline twice now. And both times I think this is the best heist movie of the year. Really? Yeah. Okay. Now, do you want to say how you felt about how to blow pipeline before we really get into it?
1: I, I didn't hate it. We'll start there. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. So for me, it's the middle, okay. middle ranking, middle sure. scoring. Um, I appreciated that clearly they wanted to blow up a pipeline. They had each had their own reason for being there. Yeah. And nothing was going to sway them. From blowing up said pipeline. The whole twist turn at the end, I don't know how I feel about it all. So.
0: Okay, so we, yeah. So
1: we'll unpack some things. Let's,
0: let's, yeah, so let's kind of walk through the structure of this movie a little bit. Because I think this is a very underseen movie. I think this, uh, not many people have had a chance to see this. Because I don't know if it's on one of the major major streaming services.
1: It's not, so I had to download, which is fine. Um, But yeah, so it makes it harder for everybody to watch.
0: Makes it harder for everybody to watch. So basically the movie kind of kicks off immediately. We are, you know, sort of thrown into this situation where I think there's what a group of six or seven people all coming together in Texas. And you quickly realize that they are there to blow up a pipeline. What ends up happening is they spend the next day or two sort of making final preparations. They build two bombs, they go out, they scout the locations for where they're gonna blow up the pipeline. And you know, it's all about the story of okay, how are we gonna put this all together? How are we gonna get away with it? All that sort of stuff. Interspliced with all of the all of the action of them actually doing it, we get their backstories. And so at sort of key moments in the movie, we cut backwards to find out what that character's motivation for being there in the first place was, and we get things like, you know, somebody's mother died because of the horrible um, environment that she was living in because of fuel refineries or something like that. Another guy um, lives in North Dakota and he's uh, Native American, and so his like land has just been savagely ruined by you know big business, big corporation, things like that. Um, there's another guy from Texas, similar story where he had sort of ancestral land and that's where this pipeline is being run through. And so the land has been taken away from him and he sort of has nothing left. We get a couple who are just sort of like eco activists in yep. the Northwest and like they're kind of run amok. They don't really have that much of a plan, but they're, you know, off spray painting, you know, slogans and not on the on the sides of. Uh, gas tankers and things like that and then the last couple that we meet are one is a friend of the young woman who whose mother passed away and we realize that she has sort of inoperable cancer from living in the same neighborhood that the mother lived in and then the other person is her girlfriend who is sort of reluctantly there but she's there to support the woman that she loves and so When we find out the motivation of all these characters, it gives us a little insight into why are they there in the first place? What is their motivation? Why do they want to blow a pipeline? And to what you were saying, why they will not be swayed by sort of any obstacle in their way. And so that to me is why this is a little bit like a heist movie. It's obviously they're not trying to take something necessarily, but it is like. A team gets together, an unlikely team gets together. There is sort of a quote-unquote impossible mission that they're trying to accomplish. You see that they have these plans. They walk through the plans. They figure it all out. And then there is the fallout afterwards of do they get away or not? Like all of those beats are the beats of a heist movie. Yeah. And then you add in the score, the soundtrack, and it's this propulsive sort of synthesizer we're just like oh this is like an 80s michael mann movie.
1: Yeah, so I was trying to figure out what year this is supposed to be set in. Um, I think just
0: like present.
1: Okay, cuz yeah. they all use old phones. Yeah. Um and for me maybe it was the quality I had. It was all quite like grainy. Like it wasn't a clear picture.
0: Well, that's it was probably filmed on film. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So you're gonna have that little bit of a yeah. So
1: like so then it's gonna be digital. Yeah. So but then I I was trying to figure out like are they trying to imply that this is from the 80s or the 90s? Like if we had done this 20 years ago, maybe we wouldn't have the environmental problems that we have now. Is it supposed to be set now? And if we do these things now, we'll be fine in 20. Like
0: so. I think it's it's definitely supposed. It's definitely supposed to be set now because you do see sort of laptops and whatnot being used. There is also the conversation of like, we've already gone too far. Like the small steps of like turning off lights and making sure things are unplugged, like those don't, those aren't going to happen, like work anymore. They're they're not going to really achieve anything. So their whole philosophy is we need to do something very big to disrupt the system, to disrupt the, you know, whole industry to make it unfeasible to continue what we're doing right now. And if we can do that, then we may be slowly able to reverse some of the things that have been going on here.
1: But so you saw this last year because you were iffy about having this one because it didn't technically come out this year.
0: Well, no. So this played at the 2022 TIFF. Okay. And this was kind of the movie sort of on everybody's mouth in terms of like if you can go see this, you need to go see this. Okay. And I remember like kicking myself at the time because I could have gone to see it, but I just like filled up my schedule with other things. And so I basically spent the next week listening to people be like, you need to go see this movie. (laughs) and be being there like, fuck, I could have seen it. I just, (laughs) I'm not going to. But I did see this when it came out to movie theaters, which was in 2023. Okay. So that's kind of why I was like, it was kind of released in 2022. I didn't really get to see it until 2023. So we're so I'm, counting I'm it. I'm going to or... count it for this year.
1: Okay. So, but like, do you love it because it's an unconventional heist movie?
0: Well, I don't, Like, I don't, why is it
1: your favorite?
0: I don't love it <laughs> because it's a heist movie. I love it and it's a heist movie. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Just because it has the elements of a genre that I love doesn't mean that I automatically love it. I loved it. And it has those elements. So it was kind of like, oh, I wasn't expecting the movie to portray the events like this. But that's how they're being portrayed to me. Like, that's how it feels like you haven't seen any of his movies or any of the ones from the 80s. (laughs) But like Michael Mann made like two or three of these kind of neo-noir 80s movies with this like, it was mostly the music. Like it was this sort of propulsive pounding synthesizer music. That just kind of, like, you feel it. And then five minutes later, it's, like, getting you so hyped for whatever's happening. And, like, it's a slow sort of ramp up. And by the end of the song and the climax of whatever the moment is in the movie, like, you're vibrating. Because you're just like, God damn it, I want to go blow up a pipeline. Like... (laughs)
1: Please, please don't go blow up a pipeline. I think it has a lot of ramifications for other things. Well, but,
0: but like, yes and no. Like, that's the thing I think I like about the, this movie about a lot is that they do walk through all the reasons why what they're doing makes sense. And that, and not only makes sense, but also like needs to be done for the betterment of the earth.
1: Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. The wife of one character kind of says, well, if you do this, it's going to make it hard for us living in this city right now. Right. Because it's going to jack up prices. And then the girlfriend who's kind of hesitant to be there also voices concerns of like, maybe we shouldn't do it. This like,
0: yeah, like they're, they're definitely the, the, the girlfriend of the person who's sick is the only person on sort of like the main team who has any sort of hesitancy about what they are doing, but she is 100% there. For the girlfriend.
1: Yeah. I kind of viewed her as like the conscience of the group.
0: A little in bit, a bit. a little bit. And like their plan isn't just to go willy nilly blow up the pipeline. Like they do have <laughs> a plan to sort of be like, we need to do it in a way that stops the flow of oil. But at the same time, doesn't just lead to a massive ecological disaster of an oil leak. Yeah. And so they, they do take steps to make sure that, that is what happens. But I think what I... Really enjoy about the the movie is I've seen a lot of eco activism movies. You know, some would maybe say eco terrorism movies. I'm certainly not saying that. Um, but they never win. They never get to, to win at the end of the day. Like okay. what what always ends up happening is they always do something, and then the movie punishes them in some way for what they've done. You know, even even people I think who would maybe ultimately agree with what the characters are trying to do. Like there was a movie that came out a couple of years ago by Kelly Reichardt, who um, is like, just like a wonderful filmmaker. And she made a movie about this where these, you know, eco activists go out and, you know, I think it's with a dam that they're doing something. I can't remember exactly what they're doing, but they, They accidentally kill somebody in the process of what they're doing. Okay. And then the second half of the movie is this like paranoid thriller of, well, we've accidentally killed somebody and now like the police are coming and, you know, can we really trust each other to not say anything? And like the whole, the whole second half of the movie kind of punishes them for what they've done in the first half. Whereas this movie, like it doesn't do that. They win. They get to do what they want to do. And I've never seen an eco activism movie do that that nobody's been brave enough to make a movie where they win. They achieve their goal.
1: I was yes, they do achieve their goal. I would say two of them do get punished maybe but on their own, of, but that's part of the plan. Yeah. So can, let's explain the plan yes, to okay. me a little bit. Cause
0: so <laughs> the, the twist or whatever that you want to say in the movie Yeah. is they've all come together in Texas. You know, they're spending 48 hours together, whatever the thing, the other thing I like about the movie is that like, they're not really friends. They kind no. of just recognize in each other that like, we all want to do the same thing and you can do things that I can't do. So let's do it together. But they're not friends. They don't really know each other.
1: No, I will say I did enjoy the backstories because once the backstories started, I was like, okay, why? Like, how did they all come together? Like, yeah, did somebody post online being like, hey, who wants to blow up a pipeline or whatever?
0: But, like, that's and- kind of how it <laughs> happened. <laughs>
1: But no, it was kind of like two men in school. Yeah. And then they came out, and one guy was then working on a documentary yeah. and, and stuff. So, like, the meetings of them all seemed semi organic in a yeah. way. Yeah. But so continue your.
0: But, anyways, anyways. So, yes, they all come together, and there are like little hints that one of the activists from the Northwest is maybe not on the level. Like, she's taking photos of everybody. And she kind of seems to be sending messages to somebody, but we're not really sure what's happening. Yeah. We then, in her backstory, which is I think the last one, or the second last one anyways, it comes yeah. really late in the movie. Because, um, yeah, we should also say, like, they don't come at the first half or anything. Like, they are, you know, every 20, 30 minutes.
1: Oh, yeah. They're totally spread out. They're
0: totally spread out. Yeah. So we don't get her backstory until kind of the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie. And we find out that she had been arrested previously for things that she'd been doing and she was kind of working as an informant for i think the fbi or whoever and it sort of told them that like there's a big event coming up there's a big plan there's a big whatever and i'm a part of it and i can get you names i can get you all this sort of stuff to stop it and so the fbi let her go back and let her get back in with this group and they take her down to texas and that's who she's sending everything off to The twist in the movie then comes when we find out that she had confessed all of this to the eco activism group and that they were actually using her to send information late to the FBI so that they could still do their plan and then, quote unquote, get captured at the end of the movie. And the second time through watching it the other night, I had made up scenes in my head. After they are arrested at the end of the movie, okay where it is the two young girls, it's the two friends who ultimately kind of are the heart of the story, that the, the sort of the central two at the at the beginning of the story. I had made up scenes in their in my head where they are in court getting to say why they are doing this and okay. getting to like sort of throw out there all the reasons why this needed to be done. None of those scenes are in the movie. No. Um, so I had totally made that up in my head. And so I think maybe your hang up with it is that we don't know why their plan was to ultimately be arrested when they actually could have gotten away. I think it's to put a face on the event. And so one of the lines of dialogue that, um, she, the, the, the girl who kind of put the whole plan in motion, her name is Sochi. One of the lines of dialogue that she says, I think. In somebody else's backstory is that, great, like, they'll arrest me. My backstory is that they killed my mother with their toxic air. Yeah. It's like, who is not going to be sympathetic towards that? And it's sort of like, oh, I get it. I get why your plan was to ultimately be arrested and so that you could put a face on the event. Yeah,
1: she's referring to her friend, saying that the friend has the cancer. The
0: friend's got the cancer and and her mother's died. And who would
1: kind of think bad of them or whatever like how did the two the couple the one who gets recruited by the FBI, how did they get into this group though in the first place
0: they meet at the bookstore okay yeah so they meet at the bookstore like there are there are little hints i guess in terms of like how this group all comes together like michael uh, the guy who knows how to make the bomb he's contacted because he just loads things to tiktok And they reach out to him through TikTok or Instagram or whatever he's putting things onto. Yeah. I think that the two in the Northwest who, you know, the one girl is arrested and she's ultimately the informant. The boyfriend that she's with, he obviously knows about the plan, but he's, he comes off a little bit more like a loose cannon throughout the movie. Like you're never really sure if you can trust him.
1: Yeah. Uh, I did not think I trusted the two of them. At all, well, they, because yeah. then they all go off by themselves, and I was just like, "Why would you send the couple off during this big plan?" I was like, "They're gonna do something. They're gonna try and save each like."
0: Well, they they do like it's <laughs> it's pretty well set up because they arrive late. Yeah, to Texas, everybody arrives there sort of together. They they obviously have plans to meet up in certain points and pick people up, but those two are coming in by themselves, and they come late. And so immediately you are sort of like, what the hell's wrong with these two? Yeah. Um, You know, they're both pretty quick in terms of like once alcohol is introduced to be like, oh, I want that. Yeah. And like take out. So like there is things like that. I think with their backstory, I think you have to maybe piece together. They are part of a maybe bigger group of activists. And therefore, that's probably why he works at the store that he works at the bookstore that he works at. That's probably why he, you know, goes to the nightclubs that he goes to and, you know, frequents sort of the places that he frequents. And so when Sochi and the guy that she meets in college that she brings in go to recruit them, they know where to go to meet them. And so I think that's kind of, you got to sort of maybe piece some of this stuff together.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, I just, I don't know. It's making maybe a little bit more sense now talking to you because now that it's your second watch through, so you're able to make... Yeah, Some of these connections, me watching by myself, I was just like, I don't get it. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> the other thing I, I will say, um, which is another like big pro for this movie, is that it is based on a book. So okay. it, it was based on a book. The book, however, is like a nonfiction sort of PhD essay. Like oh, it's God. not even a book. Okay. There's no story in the book that would be this story. The the book is more or less, again, reasons why destruction of property is what's necessary to sort of end the climate change disaster that we're living in. Like, it's it's reasons why, it's justifications why we need to take drastic measures and like really, really sort of explosive measures. Okay. Um, but there is no story in the book, so what ended up happening is the director and the young woman who played Sochi, I think they got together, they were working on a project and they both came across this essay. They both immediately identified with it and they're like, we need to make this a movie. And so they sat down to turn what has no story. There's no story. There's no characters. <laughs> there's nothing. I've tried to read it. And like, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is quite literally just an essay. Like there's no... There's, there's nothing here. There's no story yeah. to sort of get you through. It is quite literally just somebody kind of lecturing to you why ecological activism is necessary. And I, like I was just blown away that they turned that into a really, really tight thriller.
1: Yeah. Do you have any favorite people? Did you identify with anybody?
0: Uh, I don't know about favorite people because <laughs> yeah, like they are... You do get enough, I think, in the backstories to understand who the characters are. And you, you get enough from their actions while they're together to sort of be like, oh, okay, like this is this person. I can kind of make a, a drawing or whatever of, of who this person is. But they don't really get into a like, you know, when I was younger, this is what I was really into. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. I think what was interesting is that you can identify That, like, the characters aren't all, like, radical leftists. No. You know what I mean? Like, I think Sochi probably is. And the two from the Northwest probably are anarchists. Dwayne from Texas, he comes off probably as, like, a Republican right winger. He's just the one who the pipeline goes through his land. And And he
1: knows the land. and He's pissed
0: off that it's, you know the government has taken yeah. this land to put a pipeline that's going to poison his land and destroy his cattle. And that's what he's angry about. And it's so, like, that's why he comes into the group. But like you, I think you can identify like this, this group of people wouldn't get together for any other reason, except this purpose right here. And I kind of, I enjoyed that. Like that they are, they are all different. They're all coming at it from different angles. I think you need to watch it again. <laughs> I think anyone out there who can sort of maybe come across it once it hits streaming services should watch it. I think it's it's a really, really good thriller. Like, even if you don't agree with the politics of the movie, I think it works as a thriller. You know, the whole thing does come down to a, like, how are they going to do this? How are they all going to get away with this? And I think it, like, keeps you on the edge of your seat. Okay. I don't know if it ultimately works for you all that well. But yeah, like within, it was one of those things when I I saw it in the movie theater and within 10 or 15 minutes, I was sort of like, oh, okay, I get this. I know what this is going for now. And I was like fully invested.
1: Yeah. I will say also for the swap though, I think you had said you didn't want to pick a movie that we had seen together or that I had already kind of seen. Yeah. You wanted to do something new.
0: Well, yeah. Like Oppenheimer is my number one movie of the year. Yeah. You've seen it. I've seen it twice. I don't really... Oh, I will see it again, but I don't necessarily want I didn't necessarily want you to have to watch it again to talk about it here. Like, yeah, if you want to watch it again, you go watch it again. I did kind of want to introduce something <laughs> new. And I think the fact that this like it, this is quite clearly low budget. There are yeah. no stars in this movie. It's more or less one location, which is a dilapidated house. <laughs> like there's nothing there's no thrills here at all.
1: I was trying to figure out if I recognized any of the people.
0: So the only one that I know from other movies is the the young woman who has cancer. Her name is Sasha Lane. And she has been in other sort of like independent movies over the years. Um, but everybody else, I have no clue who they are. I've never seen them in anything. And so I was like, you got a really cool young cast together of people that I have no relationship with. Yeah. And, you know, you went to texas for i don't know how long but i i just like that this movie is so small and so whatever that like it took two watches of oppenheimer for me for me to be like oh oppenheimer's better but after the first watch of oppenheimer this was still my number one movie of the year oh okay yeah so and like it's not dropping to three i'll tell you that much right now it's not dropping to three so yeah this is firmly (laughs) firmly in there okay so any, any last thoughts or opinions on 2023 movies or things we've done on the podcast or, you know, how you feeling going into 2024?
1: Not too bad. We were trying to decide what to do kind of going forward. So
0: I think we're going to keep it going for a little bit. Yeah. And we'll see sort of how we feel.
1: If everybody's okay still listening to us.
0: <laughs> well, we can just ask the one or two people who still tuned in. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, 2024 should be fun there's a couple more movies out there that haven't come out that I'm still looking forward to and then you know we'll we'll see what 2024 has to offer. I'm a little bit hesitant because of all the strikes. Yeah. We'll we'll see what ultimately got affected. Um I have I have a feeling that things that hopefully things for the next 6 whatever 7 months down the road those movies were finished and were always finished and you know they're going to come out on schedule and then
1: Kind of post summer, maybe things have shifted.
0: Well, post summer, now they have the time to go back and finish them. That's what I'm okay. kind of hoping for. I'm, I'm there will be a bump. There will be a like, oh, we didn't get a chance to finish this movie, and it was supposed to come out sometime in 2024, and so we're just going to push it to 2025. That's gonna happen. I just hope it doesn't happen on the mass scale that I think it might it happen. Happened. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. The, the first couple months of the year are never usually that good anyways. So I'm hopeful that they just take this time, finish up the movies, and we can end the year strong again. Yeah. But until next week, I guess we'll see everybody in the new year. See you then.